Hi, I'm Dennis Ferris, and welcome to the Limitless Energy Podcast. It is my pleasure to have today's guest, Josh Miller. Well, thanks, Dennis. Good to be here. Another team member at Dragonfly Energy. You're pretty new, and uh, I have to say, we are so happy to have you on the team, because we've been working together for a long time, haven't we? We have. We have. It feels as if it's been uh, been here now just about a year, but I, I feel like we've worked together in a number of different buildings now, right? It's really been, I mean, the first time I heard about you was, I want to say, six or seven years ago. Probably. Yeah, cause, because you were the RV guy, actually. Yeah, it's a strange moniker to, like, have around your neck as the RV guy, um, but it's uh, it, it was nice to be able to maybe, like, open those doors for what seemed like a perfect fit for what you guys were doing. I guess what we're doing um, in the lithium space, because six or seven years ago, the idea of <clears throat> replacing a generator with batteries was like, that's impossible. There's no, there's no way anybody would do that. Why would you do that? And now today, it's like top of everybody's mind. Right. And the work that you were doing starting back then, it took a long time to sort of culminate into actual OEM deals. And at the same time, we were kind of working in the aftermarket. We were just working with retail consumers. They would also help out by going back and telling, you know, the, 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 the manufacturers, this is what we've experienced. This is what we like. Right. Yeah. Hey, and, and this is a goal, right? I mean, six or seven years ago, we were traveling around having some conversations about what would you be able to do if you took away a generator or like made it smaller or more efficient? How could you supplement with batteries? And there was a conversation about air conditioning. And the, the only solution was, well, we can't, we don't think we can do air conditioning with the current batteries that we have. We can do swamp coolers. And I had no idea what a swamp cooler was. I mean, that does, that sounds just damp and cold, <laughs> right? Um, but that it, it was- It only the, works when it's dry. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, you have to have really dry air, but it, here's this swamp cooler thing. I just thought this was some weird Cajun backcountry stuff. But they said, yeah, that's the only thing that draws low enough power that we'd be able to have. Like, there's just not that kind of infrastructure or power available. So you're stuck with Swamp Cooler, and there was nobody in their right mind that wanted to do that. Um, but I think that that sort of was like was a key of, okay, if that's the goal, and that's the goal from like a year or two or five, how do we get there? Um, and then fast forward five years, and you know we're sort of leading that way in, if you want to run your air conditioner, cool. What else do you want to do? And so for how long do you want to do it? Is that when you bought in, when you were, you were like, look, if you actually want to have an experience with cool air and not you know, be suffering, you really need a different sort of energy system, including batteries. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I came from electrical distribution. And in that world, everything was pretty, you know, it was the this, this status quo. Things didn't change very often. It was really slow to evolve. You were dealing with these gigantic corporations that had their own sort of agendas or product development. So you just sort of thought like lead acid was lead acid, like that was the only way to do it. But, you know, every year you heard about the different things that Dragonfly was doing or Battleborn was doing and how it just like it was eating away at this sort of like long held belief that you weren't able to sort of 
carry that kind of energy or deliver that kind of energy. And then it just, after probably that 2015 timeframe, fast forward to 2017, talking with Keystone Montana and that whole super solar program that they put together, where it was, hey, now we think that we can run the whole freaking coach, right? Both air conditioners, the refrigerator, the TV, all the things you would never think that would make camping super necessary, right? But like for folks that want to have a big fifth wheel, they want to live comfortably, completely off grid. Here's how we do it, right? Here's the price tag. And holy smokes, did people like that, seeing it in action, those early meetings was kind of interesting. So my earlier life, like we integrated into that whole system, um, helped develop air conditioners that would run more efficiently in the internal soft starts and all that kind of stuff. So sitting in those meetings was amazing to think, holy crap, just a few years ago, this was a pipe dream, right? That was going to be cost prohibitive. It wouldn't work, work very well. You wouldn't be able to do all these things. You're making all these concessions. And now we're having meetings where it's like the future is now. And then when it was showcased at that open house in 2018, 2019, was it 2019? That's what I was going to say. You were having these conversations in 2017. Oh, the rollout was in 2019. Was it? Okay. Yeah. It was the end of 2017 that those conversations were starting to happen as the, we're looking to maybe do something that really sort of like breaks the mold. They saw, the demand we're seeing in 2022 and 2023, the folks at Keystone were kind of like recognizing it as this thing that's coming. Mm -hmm. um, and then it felt like it took them a year of development and working through different stuff. But to see it roll out in that open house and the folks that would walk in and they're like, yeah, this thing's, we're not plugged in. And just, no way. All right, like, where do we sign up? This is the coolest thing. So that's been, that was one of the really neat um, parts to see those first conversations, um, you know, years and years before, and this idea, and it's like, hey, I'm this old electrical distributor guy, and you're like, well, this sounds cute, right? There's no way that some of this stuff works. And then all of a sudden you start to realize, okay, there's a lot of things I didn't realize that were even possible with lithium. Right. And now, that, I, I remember that rollout well, too, because it was the GC3 rollout. We designed, we did the GC3 for Montana for that, for that program. Right. That's and crazy. So that, that was the game changer, right? The game changer. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was an exciting time. And, yeah. uh, and were you there? Um, did you go to the concert? Went to the concert. Okay. Yep. The yeah. concert was fun. That was, uh, I've seen, I've seen some photos. Everybody had a good time. I don't remember quite the the very end of it, but yeah, yeah. The, the whole time there was it was it was really an interesting experience. So so obviously you weren't working directly with us, I guess at the time. I'm not sure how. No. Uh, so uh, Wade and I obviously have worked together in some capacity for good lord now probably 20 years, mm -hmm. and um, at the time. I was working with a company called Ericsell, which made a lot of appliances for RVs. That's right. Yeah. And the question was, hey, we are going to go down this path. And in order to develop or to deliver the most efficient large fifth wheel and to give them like an air conditioner or a system that is going to work well with the battery and inverter system that was being developed, we need to have as much 
efficient appliances as possible. So that's where it was, hey, Josh, you're, you're part of this Eric Cell world. What are you guys doing or what can you bring to it? And so that fast forwarded um, a whole soft start integrated into an air conditioner. Like that didn't exist before. It was only a bolt-on part. And the engineers at uh, Eric Cell had been working on it, but there was no real demand. It was just like, hey, you know, we were hearing about this kind of fad about, uh, you know, bolt-on soft starts. What if we just integrated it into the air conditioner and made it really, really easy? Um, and so that kick-started and fast-forwarded product development thing that we were already sort of talking about when I was at Eric Cell. And so like that coupled with everything else, you ended up in this sort of like um, fellowship of the super solar flex unit, right? So right. I ended up sitting in the, a lot of those same meetings with Wade and, and uh, you guys in that part. That's right. That, that air conditioner was tailor-made for lithium because of that soft start, which yep. is something that we had to deal with. Um, for a while up until that point we're like okay good other people are thinking about this other people are making the whole system work well uh, oh so, yeah yeah it, it was it, the, one of the neat parts about it so like you know you've got all these different pages in the book as we're we're developing out this stuff and it was a hoot because the first few air conditioners that had the software and the chipset and the compressor to do all this soft start stuff um, the very first one that they did was programmed incorrectly so that very first proto that we did, those ACs would kick on and it kicked the system offline. And so we flew engineers out from Kansas like the next morning and had them do all sorts of troubleshooting. And they realized that they had put the wrong voltage soft start kit chipset that was for a totally different application had gotten onto these ACs. So they did some, uh, some emergency surgery and the rest is history. Yeah. Nice. It was yeah. cool. It was awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's the first time we hung out. By the way, that was Keith Urban. Keith Urban concert that night. That was so. the Keith. <laughs> and you, and it's 2019. 2019. Holy smokes. Yeah. So, COVID messed up everything. I All my <laughs> days and years are all messed up. So you you are an Indiana boy. You're from, is it Lafayette? West I'm, Lafayette? I'm a Hoosier. I'm from Muncie. Um, commonly referred to maybe as Muntucky. So it's a, it's a old... Uh, blue collar town did not go to ball state that's the home of you know ball states in muncie uh david letterman graduated from there jim davis of garfield you know he's from muncie and me so you know i'm third on that list <laughs> easy yeah you're the third most uh, prominent figure from muncie yeah uh, yeah it's crazy but uh so yeah muncie um out of, after college i moved to south bend i had so a lot of my mom's family was from up there and i knew nothing about rvs I called everything a Winnebago, right? Like everybody calls uh, facial tissues Kleenex. I, everything was a Winnebago. Um, and uh, started into this electrical di distribution side of things. And once you're kind of in this RV space, once they allow you in, because it's kind of a really tight knit group of people up in Elkhart, um, you just can never leave. So you got into the RV space um, through, through the electrical uh, pathway. Yeah. And so it, it actually does make sense the way you ended up sort of being on the forefront of bringing new energy storage into the whole thing. Um, what kind in these early conversations, what kind of um, hurdles did you see to get to get the ball rolling? I know the aftermarket helped. There's a lot of momentum. But when you're talking directly with those OEMs, the hardest part for any OEM when you're doing 
anything that's new is you have to find an OEM that is willing to be the first guy, willing to sort of be the guinea pig, because they're going to have to understand that that product development can be painful. It is usually lots of delays, and it's going to likely be expensive. But on the flip side, you also have to find the OEM that realizes, hey, I can now set market price. I can be the leader of that. I can capture that sort of option, that added option cost up front. The hurdle then becomes, once they get past the cost part, uh, the reliability, the technical know-how, the follow-up, because they're never experts. An RV guy will tell you, I don't sell a battery or I don't sell an air conditioner. I sell an RV. I need to be the expert of the overall RV, but man, I need to have lots of backup on how this thing uh, is functioning or that if I pick up the phone and call because a lot of these guys don't know how to like run a thermostat, right? I mean, honest to God, like it, thermostats can be confusing because an RV thermostat is not like your home's thermostat. So imagine lithium and the power systems that those are, like that is nowhere found in most of you know an American's home, right? Like it's just not. And so there's a lot of like trepidation of do we go down this path? And if we're going to go down this path and we get over that sort of like cost anxiety, now we have to trust the people that we are partnering with because we don't want to or we can't really have the time to devote like to understand it completely. So there's a whole bunch of different like different sides of that dice that these guys worry about. And you kind of have to like check the box, get them comfortable with one thing, move to the next, move to the next, move to the next. And the nice part is as we're doing that as a company, right? So we evangelize Battleborn um, and Dragonfly and folks are getting comfortable, more comfortable with lithium. Um, a lot of those guys are finding it easier to like continue to evangelize with us. Right. It's um, it's it's really neat to see how quickly the objections and the roadblocks that an OEM might throw up. Um, and now it's more of it's a hey, 180. They get on total board. 180, especially in the last six months. Yeah. The dealer side of things is where the OEMs were probably four or five years ago, maybe maybe six years right. ago, where it's just ah, it's really new and I'm afraid and all I've ever heard are... And they're placing the orders. And they're placing the orders with these with an RV that's got these systems on from us, right? So they're really afraid or they're just afraid of what they don't know, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of them are like, ah, I don't want to mess with it. It's just... Uh. And now they're seeing that that future is coming, just like what Keystone did back in 17 and 18. And they're, they're raising their hand and saying, okay, hey, we need help, mm -hmm. right? We, we see it coming. We were deniers, now it, now it's here. So just like the OEM saying, will you please help us understand this and will you stand behind it? The dealer base is starting to say, will you train our, our people? Will you help us understand it? Will you, you know, teach us to fish, right? The nice thing about working with OEMs for us is because they were so careful and they did allow us to help them develop their systems, once it's in place, once it's being shipped, we don't have any issues ever with these systems you know it's like of course in the aftermarket people do who knows what with the right. batter so we've we really did try hard to make it as foolproof as we could mm -hmm. but with an oem the systems are just so well designed they're the same every time yeah. and step and repeat yeah exactly and it's, it's great for us we mm -hmm. just don't have to worry 
about it. No, the biggest worry is did the guys tighten the bolts right Right. appropriately at the factory level, right? Because it's step and repeat, step and repeat. For you, did you see this type of RV onslaught when you formed the company? Oh God, no! Not when I formed the company. No, No. Uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't hear about RVs really until like you know, 2015, something like that. You know, really when yeah. you were kind of started thinking about uh, lithium, um, I I was more interested in off, off-grid and on-grid residential storage. That's why I did, you know, Dragonfly. That's why uh, I was working with lithium batteries. And actually my first try was to make battery-powered guitar amplifiers. That's a great way to lose money. So. <laughs> but it's the perfect niche, right? There was a need that you saw. I, w- I don't know if it's perfect, but it was a niche. And, uh, you know, it certainly, uh, I did not know the RV market at all. I didn't realize how big it was. But at the same time that Dragonfly was getting into it, the market was just growing so rapidly. Before COVID, all that stuff, the, the RV market was was growing so fast. Actually, can you talk a, bit, a little bit about the last decade and what RVing has done? Oh my gosh. Well, since the recession of 2007 and 2008, because that really, that hit a lot of the RV companies pretty hard, right? So that's sort of the low watermark. Since then, the market has gone from 250, 275,000 coaches a year to the high water mark of over 600,000 just uh, 12, 15 months ago. Right. And it's it's a pretty steady pace up. Right. And the more people that come into the camping space, it's sort of each generation wants to have maybe the same stuff that they had at home. Right. So when I first started in the 90s, you might have had a single slide out and a ATV, right, big box like RCA TV. And now there's a we want to have an RV that can do a whole bunch of things. We don't need it to be 60 feet long. We want to cram a lot of that into a small space, but we want to make sure that this stuff works, right? We want to make sure that I can operate my business remotely, right? Or wherever I want to go and what I'm doing will work, right? So I want to be I want to be comfortable. I want to be hot when I need warm. I need to be be cool when I'm hot, uh, all that kind of stuff. And the more and more people don't want to have a generator clanging along, right? More folks realize if I invest some cash up front, it saves me a lot of money or the way that I want to camp or be off grid later. Um, And so as improvements have been made to the way that these RVs are built or engineered or thought about, you know, the sales continue to go up and up and up. There's, there's always going to be a need for Americans to sort of like get out of their home, right? Get out there and stay out there. And with the, the growth of um, jobs where you don't need to be in an office, I don't see an end in that site. And what I love about it is RVing is not what I thought it was when I was a kid, which is this. Oh, right. Kind of yeah. No way. Giant, you know gas guzzler what whatever you know <laughs> that like it's yeah uh, cousin eddie from uh national lampoon's christmas <laughs> vacation right like right. a lot of people had that sort of like rvs or this you know maybe not the most glamorous thing in the world but but what it turned out to be at least for me 
it's it's more of an outdoorsy camping sort of thing. It's to mm-hmm. get you somewhere nice, you know. And obviously, if you're not plugged into a pedestal, you can be anywhere. Yeah. And that's something that RVing has become. And lithium has facilitated that, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, to they're building half a million RVs a year. They are not making a half a million new posts where you can plug into. Period. End of story. So either you're waiting to sign up to go to your local KOA or, or name the campground. And that's why something like Harvest Host has exploded. You know, you can go rent space on a beautiful rolling, you know, farm in Virginia, but you're not going to have power, right? You're gonna to have to boondock. Okay, well, how do, we, how do you do that comfortably? And that's where the lithium um, solution has started to explode, where guys are like, oh, okay. So I can invest and have my camping experience or my getaway experience anywhere. Um, east of the Mississippi is one set of people in the way they've sort of been maybe accustomed to camping, which is plugging in. You know, west of the Mississippi, where there's all this BLM land, holy smokes. I mean, that's where the tip of the spear has been out west, where they, they want to just don't even come close to the grid tie. And that's starting to make its way to the East Coast, primarily because more and more people are, are don't want to plan their weekend a year in advance. They just want to hop in the van, hop in the Class A or the towable, and find a nice, comfortable spot in the middle of nowhere where they can like chill out with their family. So is this sort of comforting to the OEMs that they are now no longer limited to the growth of infrastructure? That oh. now people can, you know, any, anyone can have an RV and go anytime they want. Absolutely. It's an it's another sellable feature for the first time RVer that might be um, a younger family, folks that are understand that they're willing to spend a certain amount of money above and beyond in order to get something that they really, really want. Right. Like it's it's a different mindset with the way that they're, they're making their purchases. And. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. Right. Just being able to get off that grid and do whatever they want, whenever they want, is is great for a young family. Um, and we're starting to see older RV folks that they're on their seventh, eighth or ninth RV. And they've had 20 or 30 years of a horrible lead acid experience. Right. Like they, but they just chalk it up as like, well, that's just what you have to deal with. Right. In Indiana potholes every spring form because of all the freeze and thaw. And so you're just kind of, eh, I guess the roads suck, right? There's that, that's the mentality for these RVers that are like multi-generation RVers that, eh, just the lead acid batteries are terrible and it's going to give up the fight. No, nah, I'll just spend more money. And, you know, it's one of the top forum conversations. It's amazing. There's always battery, 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 battery. What do we do? Hey, these things are terrible. And in the, in the past 18 months, 24 months, there's this enormous chorus of go Battleborn, go Lithium, stop doing the same silly thing. You don't have to be like wedged into this lead acid, just sort of like pit, you know, come to the light and, and, and see what the, the Lithium space can give to you. So what does that mean to the, to the state? I know there's some RV manufacturers, you know, Winnebago and Tiffin and others, but Indiana is still the hub. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so you grew up in Indiana. You did not grow up RVing. But what does it mean in general to the average Hoosier? The, the average Hoosier, I can tell you that the governor of Indiana 
it is one of the top things that he speaks about, whether it's to the international community as far as manufacturing, um, let alone how he will showcase it versus the, the states around us, you know, Illinois, Michigan. I mean, Michigan's a big manufacturer of automobiles. We are a we're a big manufacturing hub for RVs, and that's one that he he really touts it as it's an impressive thing to see because it's very entrepreneurial. A lot of these RV companies started out of a garage, kind of a similar story, right? Started out of a garage. They 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 had an idea. They wanted to do something a little bit different. And before you knew it, you know, there are you know, multi-million dollar businesses that are, are employing tens of thousands of folks in northern Indiana. And the fact that 85% or more RVs are built in Elkhart is just amazing. And it, it supports billions and billions of dollars um, of ancillary things um, for the state. Yeah. Well, I love to see the industry leading the way in, in, in a way that you re- really didn't think was possible because you've got these RVers that are putting solar, that are putting all these batteries and other industries have not yet fallen suit. You know, there's, right. you know, there's the, you've, you've got the, the semi trucks and the, and the, the work trucks and other industries that haven't RV owners are living off of the sun. This is something I keep mm-hmm. sort of talking about, which is the fact that RV owners, a lot of them are demonstrating how you can do that. And we want to take that and extend that to folks living on the grid like you Mm -hmm. can actually live off of the sun and not draw so much from the power plant right oh absolutely it's it's weird when you think about um maybe the preconceived notion of rving 20 or 30 or 40 years ago as perhaps maybe a little backwoods a little backwards you know not cutting edge and then you sort of juxtapose that to what they're doing right i mean they're carrying multiple voltages they're doing a bunch of really wild things in a wobbly box down the highway. And now they've almost got their own microgrid where if you've got your RV parked next to your house and you've got a large battery bank and solar and all that stuff, you have the opportunity to turn that RV into your backup generator, right? So that the power goes down in your house, in theory, you can take that power that's on your coach and at least power one of the legs on your 240 at your house, right? I mean, these are those things that the, the RVers, they're tinkerers, they're, they're thinkers about some of these things and they're brave in, in how they'll accept technologies that maybe the rest of the, um, the population haven't gotten into. And it's almost out of necessity, right? I mean, if I'm living somewhere and I can't plug in and I can't do this, okay, well, I gotta figure out how to do it. Um, and what becomes niche eventually spreads into the more mainstream. And that's what we're seeing in RVs. And you're starting to see it. Uh, what's really kind of fun is a lot of RVers or some of our outdoorsmen or boaters or whatnot, you know, they've experienced our batteries in their campers. And so when they're looking at making business decisions in maybe a similar field where they're needing to utilize battery technology, uh, we were just talking to a, a gentleman who uses our batteries on his boat but he also is part of a company that handles a lot of the industrial material handling equipment. So like floor scrubbers and tugs and whatnot. And he sort of a a lightning moment. He said, well, I can probably take my lithium out, right? And I can do a proto. And I think that this is a a value add to this industry. Well, sure, of course, right? So it's kind of interesting how 
in the RV space where people learn to live with it, how it's now making its way into other commercial applications. Yeah. So if, if you really want to know electrical systems, get an RV. <laughs> right, right. If you want to do a deep dive in the rat's nest that's maybe, <laughs> maybe inside of an RV. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, you've just multiple voltages, you know, you've got, yeah, 240 in the 50 amp side of things, multiple different things. I mean, look, there's teams of engineers at RV companies um, when you moved into a motorized space where it's, you've got an army of engineers that have to make sure that this thing that looks relatively simple and straightforward operates in a simple and straightforward manner. Um, and they've all struggled with part of that power solution with the lead acid. Um, and we've been able to, to answer a ton of those. Well, I know at Dragonfly, we are proud to be part of that solution. And you personally have been a big part of it as well with us. So well, thank you. we appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much. There, that was a lot of great insight there coming from an Indiana boy. I appreciate it. <laughs> a Hoosier. And, Watch out. You're everywhere. <laughs> and thanks for coming on the podcast. Certainly. Thanks, Dennis. Appreciate it. I'd like to thank our guest today, our very own Josh Miller. Be sure to subscribe to the Limitless Energy Podcast on your favorite podcast platform.